Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, you should check out our website at www.churchvictoria.com. If you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. We're in Exodus chapter 4. Uh, tonight we're going to be in Exodus chapter four. We're going to continue on. So we've been we've been talking a lot about uh, Israel and their bondage and what God's doing about it. And I'm excited to to see we see God uh, moving and working. Of course, He's been moving and working the whole yeah. time, but now it's very overt. And uh, well, I think you know, I think to to let people know that maybe somebody just tuned in that what what we're where we're at in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is about the about the journey out. Right what it's about yeah. and we're and we're just early on getting to that journey out of where out of egypt they've been in, they've been in there for for hundreds of years and and uh, now that god's heard their complaining and heard their their cries to him he's sent sending moses to them that's right so that's pretty much where we are where we've come through the first part of the book that's right oh that reminds me this uh this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to partner with us in this uh we of course you know we, we would love to join with you. And so if you want to go to our website at www.churchvictoria.com, there's a donate button up there and you can uh, join with us as we teach and preach the book and teach and preach the word. Yep. So, all right. Hey, let's pray. Let's get into Exodus 4. Father in heaven, thank you so much for blessing us with the opportunity of this time that we have to uh, to study your word. I pray, Father, you be with all of those who will be listening. Uh, that they will uh, that they'll be uh, encouraged by what they hear and be encouraged by the study of your word. I pray that uh, that you bless uh, each one of our our uh, our audience that they might uh, uh, they might have a, a healthy family and healthy life and and that you would uh, cause things to happen in their lives that would get them to uh, to long for you and to search for you, Father. Just bless them. Be with uh, be with us again this morning. And thank you so much for this for the for the history of this and the history of what's happened here. The things we can learn from, and we thank you for that, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So. Last class, we saw uh, a burning bush. Yeah. And Moses went over to the burning bush. He said, hey, I got to check this thing out. God's run from Egypt. I mean, Moses has run from Egypt. That's right. And he's gotten married, got some kids. Moses, now. the man of action. Yeah. Man Moses, of action. He's a man of action. Running from running from a problem. Right. Well, he, he killed an Egyptian, right? Yeah. Saw the problem. The problem was Egyptian was enslaving his people. So he killed the Egyptian and then tried to incite a rebellion. Right. And that's we get that from Acts chapter seven, Acts yep. chapter seven mm -hmm. with Stephen. He's talking about yep. kind of what Moses was trying to do. And so, you know, Moses was, was trying to free the people himself. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, the people didn't react the way he wanted to, wanted them to. And when Pharaoh learned of it, he uh, he hightailed it out of town. Yeah. And then he showed up at a well and he met his one of his, his well, his future. I said one of his his future wife yeah. and his future, his his uh, future sister in laws. And he uh, saw that they were being oppressed. And so the man of action stepped jumped in. Jumped in again. Jumped in again. And he saved him. Saved him. Yep. And so now God has met the man of action. And the man of action has tucked his tail firmly between his legs. And he does not want anything to do with this. <laughs> he, is, he has ceased to be a man of action. He now. has, real quick, when God says, hey, man, I, hey, I've noticed you're ready to go. Let's go. <laughs> He says, I don't think quick, I want to do that. I tell in the other direction. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to, yeah. you know. It was okay when I was going to do it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 4. And so this has been an ongoing dialogue uh, all throughout chapter 3, really, where God is saying, hey, you're the man and let's go. 
and Moses is coming up with all these excuses. Well, he's, and, he hadn't finished yet. And he, he hasn't, got, he's not he got done. Some more excuses. We got more excuses. Yeah, God just went through this long dialogue of saying, this is what's going to happen. This is the way it will be. And Moses goes, and his response to all this is, well, okay, but what if, in verse 1, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Mm -hmm. This is really just a variation of, mm -hmm. of the same complaint, right? Mm -hmm. And so then the Lord said to him, fine, what's in your hand? And he said, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, or the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant so that's not not going to be sufficient <laughs> well you know something there about that last one i i have seen you know discover channels that ever and, and our audience has seen this stuff too where they they were trying to make explanation for the nile turning to blood okay right. what did god say here it will turn to blood on the ground mm -hmm. it didn't say it will turn to water that looks like blood it didn't say it will turn to colored water it didn't say it will turn to kool-aid they said it's going to turn to blood. Do you know why they work so hard to explain that? Uh, tell me. Because there is an Egyptian tablet that they discovered. It's not, I'm sorry, it's not a tablet, it's a papyrus. And it's an Egyptian papyrus that they discovered that talks about a lot of these plagues that the Egyptians went through. And uh, I, I forget the name of it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it back. I'll, I'll get the name and I'll have it for next week. But there, there is this, this papyrus and it talks about these plagues and a great people, a great mass of people leaving Egypt. After, right after these plagues and so it's independent evidence that confirms that the plagues happen and everything else and so it's actually pretty funny because there's a wikipedia article on this papyrus and i love the argument because it is it is such a it's, it's such a war law obviously they argue that this does not confirm the exodus or the biblical account of exodus because as we all know water does not turn into blood <laughs> i'm wikipedia, not i'm not wikipedia said that? look i'm not yeah i'm not joking i will next week I will have the name of the tablet or the name of the papyrus scroll and I will have the Wikipedia article and we can look at it and I'll, I'll read for you what the like article to, says. Like it. It's it's hilarious. It's absolutely well, hilarious. Well, what I saw was they said that the, there's a red dirt above Oh, yeah. Nile, I'm sure there's, and I'm, it, and it, there's there a volcano a of, eruption. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, it came, and red yeah. dirt turned to water look, red. does God work that way sometimes? Sure. Let's let's be fair. There's They actually just found new evidence um, of Sodom and Gomorrah out in out in Palestine, the Jordan River Valley. Mm -hmm. There was, uh, they they figured out that what happened was a meteor they well they didn't know it was sodom and gomorrah but they found these two cities that were instantly vaporized and uh and all the surrounding area was instantly vaporized as well and what they they figured out what happened was a meteor came down and exploded in the atmosphere and it exploded at just the right height to just instantly level and vapor all of these these cities in this river valley really and they're and of course when they're explaining it, you know, I was reading the article and they're explaining it from a scientific standpoint and historical standpoint, what happened. And I'm sitting there going, 
that's Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what that is. And of course, in the article, they made mention of it. This could be the cities where we hear about the story of this could be the the actual cities where this is the story that the Hebrews fire told. And brimstone fire and brimstone yep. came yep. from heaven. And so it's it's important to note that can God work through the natural creation he has sure, made? He does, yeah, he absolutely. Does. He absolutely. can. Yeah. He absolutely can. There's there's no question that he can. But he doesn't have to. And well, he's not required to. But here, to turn this around, you have to make it say what it does not say. Right. Here it says it turn, the water will, will become blood. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. So can God work within the natural order of, sure. of the earth? Absolutely. He created it. It's his creation. He has full control over it. But God can also command it. Right. We see this with Jesus very clearly when he walks on the water. We see this with Jesus when he, he looks at the winds and the waves and he says, be still. He is the creator of the universe. It responds to his voice. Yeah. Um, in apologetics, we talk a lot about the cosmological argument of, of, uh, of creation of the universe. And we talk about all this scientific evidence that's out there, like cosmic background radiation and everything else. And even astrophysicists who are, are not Christians have said this, this, the way this stuff works and the way it's all played out. And it's all high science level stuff. They said these, this is the fingerprint of God on the universe that he created this because there's just, just no way this was an accident. See, and, and it's real interesting. Stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to hear some guy with this go a whole lot smarter than me say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I get to the point, I don't really care. I know. Because I've already I've already decided I believe that God did it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's enough. Well, it's... And I think for our audience, I think for, for many of them, they're not astrophysicists. I mean, how, do you, I, how do you know something is true? Uh, how do I know something's true? I see it. I see it. I, I see it happen. I see it come to be. It's consistent. Yeah. Right? I guess, yeah. I guess right? so. Yeah. If... if you know, somebody walks in, in the room, of course, Lee is over here helping us record, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody walks in the room and walks over there and kills him and walks out. How are they going to know it wasn't us? How are they going to know it wasn't one of us? Well, because, we didn't do it, but how are they going to know that? Because because they're going to see the recording that we're recording. Well, right because now. there's going to be evidence that, gonna be evidence that, that we, we weren't over there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so when something happens, there should be evidence of it. Yeah. So when God created the universe, there should be evidence. This isn't a new argument. God makes this argument in Romans 1. The creation mm -hmm. itself is sufficient for people to know, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. By his by his creation, his invisible attributes and his yeah. uh, divine yeah. nature have been clearly known. So all we're doing, all we're looking at with, with what we're seeing in, in the scientific world as they make these discoveries is it just confirms yeah. again and again yeah. and again yeah. that God did it. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool yeah. to see that, yeah. you know, especially for people who aren't, you know, they look at this and they and because of the way the world is, they've they've turned this into a suspect source rather than a historical one. You know, they're not sure what this is. It's it's good to be able to look well, out at other things. What bothers me is so many people trying so hard to discredit it. Well, yeah. Why are they working they, so hard to discredit it? Well, because they can't. They can't be true. Well, they can't they, have it. They, well, look. You don't worry. You when when you're the when you're the big guy on the block. Do you worry about what the pipsqueak says? No. No. So what, what, what do they have to do? They have to gang up and they have to try to discredit the big guy on the block, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why are they working so hard? If it, it, if, it was so, if it was so foolish and irrelevant and everything else, why would they work so hard? They wouldn't have to. <laughs> they wouldn't have to. They wouldn't yeah. have to. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So sorry. We went down a rabbit trail on that one. We with really the water did. And the blood, but we apologize. All right. So we're getting back into it here. Um, so the Lord gives them all of these signs. 
right? And he's, it's, I mean, these are, these are crazy. You know, he's throwing his staff on the ground. It's become a snake. He's putting his hand in his cloak. It's, it's turning leprous. That's terrifying. And then he's pouring water out. And could you imagine a water, a cup of water or a thing of water? Maybe he's got his water skin there and he's pouring it out and it's coming out blood. You know, these are terrifying things. And I think you see that when his response here, pardon your servant, Lord. <laughs> right my objections now have taken on this really respectful tone i'm worried i'm going to put my hand in my cloak and i'm going to bring it out and it's going to stay leprous right <laughs> pardon your servant lord i have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant in this short amount of time that we've been talking i have not become eloquent i don't know if you knew that or not god but <laughs> Uh, neither in the past nor since you, you have spoken to your servant I am slow of speech and tongue then the Lord said to him who gave human beings their mouths who makes them deaf or mute who gives them sight or makes them blind is it not I the Lord now go I will help you speak and will teach you what you what you what to say and I, I'm saying that a little bit more with a little no, bit I'm sternness sure. because that's that is what's he actually can, he's mad he's mad yes the, yeah. Lord, the Lord yeah. is not happy with all of these objections. Because verse 14, they'll tell you that very thing. That's right. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. But, but we missed a verse. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Go back, verse Look 13. at verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. And this is probably another reason for the respectful tone, right? He's picking Please up what God is laying down. send somebody else. Yeah. Look, look. <laughs> you know, look, God. I look. really don't want to do this. I, I, please don't send me. Yeah. Here I am at the beginning, the man of action, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the burning bush and the voice that knew his name didn't really phase cool. him much. Pretty cool. Here I am. That's pretty cool. That's right. Here I am. Here I am. Hey, I'm going to use you to go uh, liberate my people from Egypt and Pharaoh. Ah! <laughs> Just pump the brakes here. Send somebody uh, else. Please send someone else. And the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he knew, and he said, excuse me, rather, uh, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is. I mean, if you're not, if you're not, I'm sorry. This is like dripping in sarcasm, right? Like, well, and I was expecting you to, to say it in sarcastic. I'm, I'm, well, I'm not saying it right, right? So, <laughs> no. you know, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his now, mouth. Hold up. How does Aaron know where he's at? Right, I don't. Yeah, this is this what. Is, what did they? What did they get on the phone? Talk to each other. I mean, you know, they they shout out through social media. Got on Facebook. Hey, gay man, I'm over here in Midian. You need to come over and visit. Maybe the Lord told Aaron. Maybe you think. Maybe. Maybe maybe there was a higher a higher uh, telepathy type thing going on. Well, I or or maybe, maybe there's was, a phone service they don't know about. Yeah. Well, and you know, later on, Aaron and Miriam are gonna put their foot in their mouth pretty bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. God's gonna mention, you know, because they're gonna argue, aren't we prophets too? Doesn't God speak to us as well? Right. That's what they're gonna say when they try to take down Moses. Mm -hmm. And um, if I recall correctly, God said, "I speak to you in dreams and in visions. I speak to Moses face to face." Yeah. So maybe. What's happened with Aaron the Levite is, you know, God, obviously dream? from that, he's had a dream or he's had a vision yep. because yep. God doesn't speak to them the same way he speaks to Moses. Yeah. Maybe. Could be. Well, we'll revisit that when we get there. Sure. Sure. That'll be later on in the text. Yeah, that's later on. Okay. So then, the uh, right, we've read that. So uh, I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if you were, uh, he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. So God is done. You know, he's willing to put up with the belly aching. Well, you're not sending somebody else. No, he ain't doing that. Moses, yeah. you're going. Yeah. God, it's important to, to note it here 
and we've kind of seen it throughout. Uh -huh. But if you've noticed with God's character, I mean, we've studied all of Genesis at this point, uh -huh. where this far into Exodus, God does not take orders from man. Uh -huh. And God does not do what man says unless it goes along with what God is trying to do. Yeah. Right? Abraham, let Ishmael live before you, right? When it came, when it came to the covenant promises. And God says, no, yep. that's not going to happen. It's going to be through the son Isaac, through Sarah, right? And so God, God again, is like, I'm not going to do this your way. We're going to do it my way. We're going to do what I have said. Now, there are some times that God does go along with what people ask or with what people say, but it's always because it fulfills what God is trying to do with that people. Mm -hmm. It always works along. If you, if you, what you're saying and what you want to do is, is what, with what God is going to do, then he's going to be behind Well, it. it's like we talked about last week, you know, and about riding in the back seat. Mm -hmm. If I trust, if I trust the driver enough, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to strive to be doing the, what the, what needs to be done in my, in my realm, where I'm, where I'm at in the back seat. And, and part of that is I'm going to try to line my will up with the, with the will of the, of the one that's in charge. That's what I'm going to try to do. So I've had to learn what, what is the, what is his will? I've got to learn. I've got to read his book. I've got to, I've got to talk to him. I've got to find out what is his will. Well, and that, and that really, you know, that brings us to the question for today. You know, we see very clearly here, God has made known what his will is to Moses, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I would argue that as Christians on, on this side of the cross, his will is known to us, mm -hmm. right? What is God doing today? He's seeking and saving the lost, mm -hmm. right? He's maturing the saints mm -hmm. and he's seeking to be glorified. And, and you're going to talk about that pretty soon here about being, about what we need to do to glorify God. Mm -hmm. How do we not, what do we need to do? To avoid being like Moses, because God is looking to work through His church. I think, Paul makes that clear in Ephesians. You know, I think, I think most of us are going to be like Moses most of the time. Mm. It's when God says, "I'm fed up with you, go." We go. We don't let that that mindset that that well. You know, I really wish you'd send somebody else and let that take over. We keep listening to God and we say, okay, I'll go and let God work it out. You know, I think when we, when we get in real trouble is when we start listening to ourselves, mm. listening to Satan, and we, and we start to shut down because we're afraid. Yeah, because, you know, I'm looking at Moses in this point. Now, look, Moses is going to grow past this. God is, of course, very patient and very kind. And he, and he always is. That is God's nature, mm -hmm. right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Mm -hmm. That's God is love, right? So we know these are attributes that God has, and he, these are attributes that he wants us to have. But when we're looking at this passage, and I'm seeing Moses in, in, this, in this initial infancy, and he's 80 years old right now. Yeah. I mean, we're going to find out later that he's been in, in Midian for 40 years. Yeah. So we're seeing him. Uh, we're seeing him at this point. And I'm looking at him here, and I'm looking at Samuel. And I'm looking at Samuel, who says, here I am. All right Now, Moses started out by saying that. But Moses, Samuel says, here I am. And he was a faithful servant to God all throughout. And I would say all throughout a very difficult time period in Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't yeah. have a king. It was the time of the judges. Mm -hmm. You know, constant, excuse me, constant wickedness. The people did whatever they wanted. Yeah. And then they asked for a king. Samuel told them that was a wicked thing. God gave him a king anyway, gave him Saul. Right. And Saul turned out to be an abject failure. And it, it hurts Samuel a lot. But I look at Samuel and I see a faithful servant of the Lord who, who is always ready to do what the Lord said. How do I be more like him and less like this? And I think I think that's my that's my thing. I don't want to be 
Moses here. I want to be Moses later, but I don't want to be Moses here. I want to be Samuel. I want to I want to be Jesus, right? That's that's the ultimate mm-hmm. goal. And Jesus was what did Jesus say? I never say I never said anything except what the Father told me to say. I'm always working within the Father and his biggest thing, right? Jesus said he all wanted us all to be one. So I'm I'm trying to grow into these things. I think I think well for me uh, I I I realized at some point that the things I didn't want to do were turning out okay when I did them anyway. They turned out okay. And I knew it wasn't because of me, because because I really didn't want to do them. Right. I didn't want to do that. And so when they turn like out... Like what things? Like elaborate. What things? You know, I mean, uh, going to the jail for the first time. I didn't want to do that. Right. I got roped into doing that. Dwayne Wheeler got me hooked up with Booty Pearson. Before I knew it, I'm going to jail. I'm not, I didn't want to go to jail. I never in my life want to go to jail. I didn't want to do that. I didn't believe I was capable of doing it. I didn't believe I was eloquent enough to do it. All these things, I believe, man, send somebody else. You already got a guy going, let him go. What do you need me for? You know, people saw in me something I didn't see. I didn't want to go. It turned out okay. I went for 17, 18 years. You know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I look back on it now. And I said, man, that was successful. It was successful because, because I grew so much from it. Those guys knew it would happen. God knew it would happen. But I didn't really want to do that. You know, the first time I had to teach in the jail, Booty Pearson threw me to the wolves on a Sunday afternoon. We pulled up to the jail and he said, what are you teaching today? Never told me anything was coming. Never said a word. We pulled up, didn't give me a chance to back down. Didn't give me a chance to scramble like this. He just said, what are you teaching today? And he was adamant. He was not teaching. He said, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to sit there. I ain't going to say a word. It's up to you. And I went in and talked. I didn't want to go do that. What I wanted to do is I wanted to, I wanted to clock booty on the side of the face, man. What I wanted to do. I wanted to hit him. You know, how dare you, man? What, what, why are you doing this to me? But it turned out okay. I didn't want to do that. You know, I mean, those kind of things. I didn't want to preach the first time. I didn't want to teach a class the first time. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go the first time I had to go to somebody's house that had somebody had died. I didn't want to go do that. Send somebody else. Isn't there anybody else? But that's fine until it's someone that I've been working with for the last four or five years. Right. First funeral I had to do. You know, don't want to do that. You know, found out that they're not even fun. Funerals are not even fun to do. Weddings are a lot more fun. Funerals are not. And uh, didn't want to do those things. And, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, my first child, I'm going, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Do I really want to be a parent? Well, it's a little late. It's a little late to worry about it now. You know, and then when we had, we brought him home, brought Mark home about a, about a weekend and my wife uh, decided she didn't need my mother here anymore. And so I tell my mother time for you to go. And, and now we got an empty house. And there's three of us, me, my wife, and this little, this little guy that, that needs everything. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You know, I ended up doing it and it turned out okay. And watching those things turn out okay, I think helps you to make the next choice to say, you know what, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, and we're certainly going to see that with Moses' story. Absolutely. As he as he goes on, he's he going to grow. grow. I mean, God is is a better father than any of us. He gives us this opportunity to grow. But I, from what I'm hearing... And you know, Cole, I see him doing exactly what we do as fathers in our children's life. How many things have you given to your children to do that they didn't really want to do? Oh, man, like everything. 
You know, and yet you know that they can do it. You know that they're going to be capable. You know they're going to be successful. You know you're not going to give them something that's going to destroy them. You're not going to do that. You're going to give them something to do that you know they can do. But when you're on the other end of it, you feel like that. Yeah. Like this, that's how Moses feels. Moses feels Absolutely like does. what God is asking of him is he feels way like beyond yeah. his capability. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's imperative for us to understand. I think one of the first lessons that we can take away from this text with, with Moses and this dynamic is that God wants to work through people. If you've watched, been watching the series and you've watched us all through Genesis and now we're in Exodus, if you haven't, if you haven't gotten the gist that God wants to work through people, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. You need to understand that. God doesn't want you to just sit around and do nothing. Mm -hmm. He wants to work through you and with you. That was the garden. The garden was God created man and woman to rule with him. Absolutely. He's sharing his divine Absolutely. rule with us. That's this, the narrative of the garden. Mm -hmm. And so all throughout Genesis, we're seeing God still work within that paradigm. I want to work with people. I know they're flawed. I know they're messed up. I know they're all these things. I know their their culture is is pulling them in one direction, and evil spirits and powers and authorities are pulling them in another direction. I do not care. I know their failures. I want to work with them anyway. I think we. I think as we study the the word, I think we need to see these individuals and see their humanity. Yeah, it's hard sometimes to see the humanity of these people because they're just names on a page. But we, you and I, have are trying to bring these people out and make them human. Moses is a, is a normal guy with normal fears and normal wants and normal he, he's going to respond normal ways well, he's, he's a failure he's a fa he's a failed uh he's a he's a failed anarchist you know <laughs> i don't know if he's an anarchist that might be a little strong but he's 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 failed in his attempt at rebellion right he's he's a failed rebel out in exile hiding yeah you know i mean and god still wants to work with him you know, yeah. and I look at the New Testament that condemns that type of behavior, that condemns the the behavior of of someone who goes in and overthrows a lawful government, right? But yet God still wants to work through this guy, mm -hmm. right? So the first thing, first thing, is that God wants to work with people. God wants to work with us. I think that's why it's so important when you when you find things, you ask what, you know, what did I not want to do and why did I do it? And what, because you get you get a sense pretty quickly, and as you read, you get a sense pretty quickly. God's going to make Moses successful. Yeah, he's gonna be successful not because Moses is any good. We see what Moses is like. He's just like us. Man, I want to go send somebody else. You know, I, I really don't want to do this. And and it, uh, I, I remember going to Fortran the first time, first time I ever went to Fortran, and uh, I'm scared to death. And uh, Rich Rendon is is you know counseling me and saying you're going you'll be fine, you'll be good. And uh, and I go, it was fine. And, and about three weeks into the next month, Richard comes to me and he says, so what are you going to be preaching at Fortran this week? And I said, what? What? What do, you, what do you mean? He said, oh, didn't you know? They're expecting you to come every month. <laughs> no, dude. You, no, uh-uh. So I make a quick phone call to Bernice Carroll. I said, Bernice, is it? Yep. Well, we loved you last last month. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> what are you thinking? But it turned out okay. It, it turns out okay. And God's going to turn it out okay here. And he's going to turn it out okay in your life, guys. He's going to ask you to do something, whatever it may be, uh, to be a parent, whatever. And maybe he's asking you to, to step in out on faith and follow this guy, Jesus. It's going to be okay. Follow him. It'll be fine. You know, he'll make it 
to be a powerful influence and a powerful thing in your life. And you will, you'll never believe the result will happen. So, And if you're in the church, you've already made that commitment. Yeah. And it doesn't stop there. No. no. God wants you to be, look, Jesus didn't, and I've been saying this for the past couple of weeks. When Jesus picked up his disciples and said, follow me, he didn't start a school somewhere, put some desks in it, and have everybody sit down and start lecturing. That's no. not what happened. No. Are Bible classes important? Yes. It's incredibly important for you to learn the word and to learn about God. But you know what's also important? Getting out into the community and helping people. That's incredibly important. We're supposed to be in the church. We're supposed to be a royal priesthood. Well, as this video we're doing it on a Monday morning, I mean, Tuesday morning, but as this video comes out, we will be right in the middle of our trunk or tree. That's right. Our trunk or tree will be half over by the time. And it's too late to tell you now, but you know, it for you guys in the church, you know, we're, we're working at, we're doing trunk or treat. We're doing that to reach out into the world and be God's heart and God's hands. Yeah. To be an influence in a dying world. You know, do we have a message to teach them? Absolutely. Will, will all of them come and respond? No, we know that. But, you know, we're not looking for all of them. When Jesus said stood at, on the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Mm -hmm. The Sermon on the Mount. You just got through a series of that. Mm -hmm. How many people were there about, you think? Oh, man. It's quite a few. Well, we, know that, we know that they had a meal at some point, right? Yeah. In one of those sermons, maybe it was the second one, and they, and they fed 5,000. That was 5,000 men. Right. So there could have been 20,000 people there. That's right. Did ha Jesus have any illusions that this was going to grow the church? Did he have any illusions that this was going to increase membership in his discipleship well, let's, core? Let, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. At Pentecost, when he had told them to wait in Jerusalem, there was only 120 waiting. So what happened to the other 4,880 or whatever? What happened to them? You know, what, what, where'd those guys go? You see, you know, what we're doing these things for is not to increase our 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 people that walk in the door. It's to take a message to a lost and dying world. Well, it's 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 to be the light to those trapped in darkness. Absolutely. This is this is the this is the way, you know, God has blessed us and we're blessing. We want to bless you and we we, we want y'all to come out and have a good time on our dime, safe Absolutely. and secure. Absolutely. And hey, if we get and we want to pray for you, you know, and we want to we want to help you see Jesus and if if you're interested in that, then hey, look great. Like, and great. if you're not fine. And if you're not, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's fine too. You know, you took you took uh, and went door thing. Mm -hmm. Did some people say I don't want no part of that? Right? Oh man, yeah, they were not happy about. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Did, didn't want nothing. To didn't do want with nothing it. to do with it. Okay, well that's fine. Yep. You know, but that's now what I said. <laughs> you know, I've got a lady that I don't know if she's come tonight, but you know, I hope she has. I'm gonna I'm, that uh, that works at a place that I that I frequent, and she's a. Uh, She's all excited about bringing her grandchild. I think the third thing we can we can learn just from this lesson right here is, you know, God's going to define success a lot differently than we do. Oh man, absolutely. You know, God. And, and how do when, we define success? We well, and that's and that goes back to what the trunk or treat thing is. We define success oftentimes by the way by numbers. You know, how many people <laughs> showed up? You know, how many people showed up? How many people? Uh, how many people were were here for the morning assembly? Right. How much how, the contribution how much was, was the contribution? It's all it's all numeric. That's success. You know? And our and that's our culture, guys. I want you to understand very clearly that is the American culture. American culture, American mindset is very very fixated with with numbers, right? And so you know we want it, we want more numbers, more numbers, more numbers, more numbers. And and of course I want the kingdom and the church to expand. Of I course. want more people in the church. But you know let's not kid ourselves. Jesus said very clearly 
you know, narrow is the way and wide are the avenues of destruction. We know, we know what people are going to choose. So basing things off numbers like that, look, God says, this is what's going to happen, right? Here, he's telling Moses, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. God is going to get the success he wants. Do, I mean, do we think that God is going to fail? You know, if God is moving you to go do something, pushing you to go do something, there's a ministry that's taken root in your mind and the spirit keeps bringing it up. And you're thinking, no, no, I can't do that. No, no, I can't do that. No, no, I can't do that. Why? Why can't you do that? Can you imagine, guys watching, can you imagine what it's going to be like for you when God shows up in your life and you start to see God working and you know it wasn't you? What do you think it's going to be like for Moses when he actually throws that staff down in front of Pharaoh and it becomes a snake? And then his snake eats the other two snakes. What's it going to be like when he takes water out of the, out of the Nile and it actually... Or it actually pours on the ground and becomes blood, and not just that blood, but water everywhere turns to mm. blood. What do you think? You know, what do you think it's going to be like when you when you finally decide? You know what? God's been calling me to these people. He's been calling me to this church. He said, "I'm, I'm going to come for the first time. I'm going to come to church, and it turns out well for you, and you'll know it wasn't anything you did. It was everything God did, and God showed up in your life and caused some great things to happen in your life." And you became a part of a family. You became a part, you know, things were answered for you that never answered before. And that that's amazing. It, that's how God worked. He's going to work the same way today that he does here. That's right. That's right. Same way. So then Moses went, uh, starting in verse, looking back at verse 18. Then Moses went back to Jethro's father-in-law and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you. Uh, I've given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel's my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let me go, so I will kill your firstborn son. So we're going to go ahead and, and cap it, I think, right there. Okay. Uh, verse 24 gets into, well, let's just, let's just, what do you say? You, you want to keep going with verse 24? Well... We're going to, at some point, we're going to have to deal with the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Let's talk about that real quick. So okay. we see here very clearly. Because that comes up numerous times. And I've had it, it come up in Bible classes, but people can't believe that God would do that. That yeah. God would harden his heart. So, so let's talk about something. First of all, God has what we call foreknowledge. Mm -hmm. Foreknowledge means God knows what is going to happen before it happens. It's just that simple, guys. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. If you want to look at it from a scientific standpoint, Einstein said that time, space, and energy are all uh, intertwined. They're all part of the creation. So time itself is part of the creation. God is over that creation. God himself makes this point when he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning mm -hmm. and the end, right? And so science and, time, and, and God agree on this, that God is above he is not a mm -hmm. part of his creation. He is over it. And so yeah. God knows what is going to happen in time. Now, a lot of people have taken that, taken God's foreknowledge, and run off with it and said it means all sorts of things, right? It means I don't have a choice. It means you don't have a choice because God yeah. already knows. If God knows what has happened, then I don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. It's already set in stone. That is not true. The fallacy, one of the fallacies in this argument, is that the person saying that thinks they understand how time and foreknowledge works. Mm -hmm. And that is not the case. We all live within time. 
right? We don't live outside of it. So none of us understand how God's foreknowledge truly works, the extent of it, how it interacts with us and all of these things. We don't know. All we can know is what God has said and revealed to us. Mm -hmm. And so what we see throughout the scriptures is we see time and time again God offering to people the chance, right, mm -hmm. to follow him and live according to his, his rule. I'm thinking about King Saul here. Yeah. God, God yeah. told Saul, if you listen to me and follow me, you know, if you follow the laws and everything, I will establish your house over Israel. Now, did God know that Saul wasn't going to do that? Yes. But God still gave him the opportunity to do it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, why did God do that? Was God lying? No, God's not lying. Saul has a choice to make. But because of God's foreknowledge, he knew what Saul was going to choose. That doesn't preclude that Saul had a choice. And it's the same thing with Pharaoh. Uh, and, and actually, let's go back to one that we, we've talked about, Cain, right? God looked at Cain outside the garden and said, look, sin is crouching at the door. It's up for you to master yes, that's it. Right. That's what he told him. And then what did Cain do with that? God gave him the opportunity to do the right and thing. And he chose sin. God went, and, or excuse me, rather, Cain went and chose sin and killed Abel. God knew he was going to do that, but God still gave him the opportunity. And warned him. And, and warned told him. him. And told him, right? Mm -hmm. We see the same we say the same dynamic with King Ahab. Well, we I mean, see the same. Well, Pharaoh, he's gonna he he warns him. If you don't let my people go, this is what's gonna happen. He didn't tell him, just okay, I'm gonna boom, harden your heart. I'm gonna call these things to happen, and then at the end, I'm gonna unharden your heart, and you're gonna say, y'all gotta go. That's and see That's, what we'll see in the narrative is that five times. I think it's three times the text makes it clear that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Mm -hmm. Two times in the first five is ambiguous. It doesn't. It doesn't say either or. Mm -hmm. It just says Pharaoh's heart grew hard. That's yeah. all it says. But just then, the Lord. But it does say just as the Lord had said. It, in the last couple of five times. Yeah. Okay. Pharaoh. It's like four or five times that God hardens Pharaoh's mm -hmm. heart. So the the thing that we need to understand here is God is looking ahead through His foreknowledge. Okay. And He's saying. This is what's going to happen. Pharaoh is, he's, he's going to become hard. I'm going to harden him. I think in this text it says explicitly, I'm going to harden him. Uh, the Lord said, you will return, perform, so that, then this is what the Lord says. Oh, yeah. I, can, I, I see in, in chapter 7, verse 13, it says, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to him. Just yes. the Lord had said what happened. Yes. Okay. And so in, in this text, though, in chapter 4, it mentions that God is going to harden Pharaoh. So, and, and then there's a couple of tip plagues where it says God hardened his heart. Correct. And so what we need to understand is that Pharaoh is given every opportunity. Yes. What we need to understand, we are given every opportunity. If we choose to harden our hearts, you know, we always talk about God is a God of repentance. God is a God of second chances. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is true. He is. God is in the business of saving sinners. But you don't know when that, when that opportunity will end. And what we see with Pharaoh is the same thing that we see with people today. God is reaching out to people, trying to get people to repent, trying to get people to change. And at some point, you harden your heart over and over and over again. And then God says, fine, I'm done with you. I'm going to get glory through you, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. We see the same plea in, in Proverbs chapter 1, starting around verse 22, where God says, wisdom is crying out in the street. How long are you not going to listen? And there'll come a point where you won't listen anymore. And when you choose not to listen anymore and you've hardened your heart over and over again, the opportunity is done. God's done with you. And it's the same thing that happens with Pharaoh. It's the same thing that happened with Cain. It's the same thing that happened with Saul. Yes, we serve a God of second chances. But if he's calling to you today, do not harden your heart. Because at some point, you're going to harden your heart. You're going to ignore what God is trying to say. And he's going to be done.
I don't know when that happens. It's not up for me to say. It's not up for Dan to say. It's no. not up for anybody else no. to say. That's in that's fully in God's wheelhouse. But God's foreknowledge does not preclude our choice. Yeah, we see that over and over. And again God in tells us over and over. And we can go there later on. We, when we get to this hardening, we'll get to it in chapter seven. Yes. right away we'll get to it, and we'll talk about it some more. But there's a lot of places where God gives us a choice, and He tells us that. So right. you know. But anyway, yeah, we can pick it up here next week. Thing. All right, so next week we'll, we'll pick it up here in verse uh, 24. There you go. All, All right. right. Let's pray. Guys, man. I hope you enjoyed the, the class. Please uh, uh, give us a heads up. Let us know. Uh, give us a call. Give us a, a shout out on Facebook or whatever, how you ever do that stuff. And uh, and just let us know uh, how what you think about the content, what you think about the class, if you're learning anything. Uh, we did have a lady that uh, that came and, and said she found us on, on this class, and she was watching this class, and she started coming to church, and she... Uh, she's been coming pretty regular lately, so it's good. So anyway, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study today. I pray that folks have, have listened and paid attention. I pray, Father, that we're we're all learning, Father, about you and how you operate and how you work as you work through Moses. Help us to learn from him and help us to learn how to, uh, how to navigate the things that you're going to ask us to do that we don't really want to do. Help us to realize that you're going to cause them to turn out to be awesome. And like, you, like you're going to do with Moses as well. Help us to not forget that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.